we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, we're so glad that you're here on Easter Sunday. I really am so thankful that you've joined us. Uh, We're glad that you're here. Maybe you're not glad that you're here, but either way, uh, we are thankful that you've joined us on Easter Sunday. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are finishing up today. I know it seems weird that we would be finishing up a series, but this is just how it landed. We're finishing up a series today called The Table, and you're wondering what's up with the table theme. And some of you know this and some of you don't know this, but we have recently sold this property. And as of the fall, we will be moving into a new property uh, in the heart of Joliet, in the center of Joliet, 180,000 people all around us. We bought a new property and we are replanting as a new church. And you guessed it, it's called the table. And so over the last three weeks, we have been kind of journeying through what kind of church we want to look like, what kind of church we want to be. And so we've talked about mission. We've talked about vision. Last week, we talked about hard conversations. And I don't have time to recap those three messages. And you can just thank me for that now. Uh, but I don't have time for that. So we got to get moving. But I want you to do two things before you leave today, or at least one before you leave and one when you get out. One, uh, we have made these cards called Save the Date. Y'all get these cards uh, for weddings, which they drive me nuts because they just give you the date. They don't give you the time or the place. Uh, and we've done the same. We've just given you Save the Date cards that you can put on your refrigerator, take home with you, pass out to friends. It's just to remember that September 22nd, we are launching a new church called The Table. And the other one is, you're like, hey, what was this church really about? I, want, I miss the series. I want to be part of it. Well, we have a podcast. I know it's 2019. So you can open up your podcast app and you can go and just Google or you can put our name in, Joliet First Church in the Nazarene, and you can listen to the last three messages and you can kind of figure out, hey, is this something I want to be a part of? Because we want you to be with us on this journey. So thanks for being here. Um, I apologize. Usually we have a service before this one and we didn't do that today. So I'm not responsible for anything that comes out of my mouth. So I pray that you would pray for me this morning before we begin. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus. I pray that our hearts would be receptive, our ears would be opened and our minds would be transformed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, typically on Easter Sunday, uh, we have this tradition or this ritual, ritual, why I say to you, um, you know, he has risen and y'all will respond. Some of you are already doing already. You will respond. He has risen indeed. Right. Yeah. And others of you are like, okay, that's really weird. I'm, I'm, you know, you guys can talk in church. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay. But I wanted to start the message today different, a different way. I wanted to say And um, I know it wouldn't make sense, so I didn't start it this way. I wanted to say, y'all better recognize. (laughs) In hopes that you would say, recognize indeed. And some of you are laughing because you know where I'm headed with this. Uh, In my former life, I know this is hard to believe, but in my former life growing up, I wanted to be, that's right, a gangster. (laughs) I did. I don't know why you're laughing. But I, nothing says gangster like small town Ohio. Let me tell you, I, the struggle was real. Anyway, uh, 
I wanted to be a gangster growing up. And nothing was the catalyst for that than watching. You may, you may remember this movie as a kid. I don't know how we got our hands on it. But we watched Menace to Society. Y'all ever remember this movie? What a fantastic. I can't promote that movie here, but it's a good movie. Anyway. <laughs> I watched Menace to Society, and then I loved, I started listening to rap when I was a kid. I loved Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, and my all-time favorite, I'm a West Coast fan, I love Tupac. He was my all-time favorite rap artist. I don't want to get into it today, you know, you know that's a whole other thing. But, but I say all that to say that watching these movies and listening to this music totally changed who I was. I put the Wranglers down and the cowboy boots, and I went straight thug life. And so it started by changing my attire. I realized that I didn't have the proper attire, and so I went down into my dad's dresser drawer, and mind you, I was 100 pounds and five foot nothing. My dad is 6'4 and 275 pounds. And so I go in his drawer, and I pull out these black jeans, and I hold them up, and they're taller than I am, and I'm like, yes. This is it. Now I put these things on and the waist is like out to here. So I just fold up the waist and put the belt on. It looked like MC Hammer pants, but they weren't gold. I mean, they were just, I, th I thought they were great. So I had these baggy pants and then I wanted a sleek vest. These guys were wearing vests in the movies and a dark, dark, you know, black vest. And the only thing I could find was my dad's 1970s lumberjack. I was cutting trees down in Oregon kind of vest. And I thought, well, it's a vest, so it'll work. So I put on these black jeans and this vest. And we would all get together and we would go around looking for trouble. And all trouble meant was we would ride our bikes down the canal bank and see who could do it without killing each other. Uh, so I got the dress attire down, but then I wanted to get the language down. And so we would go around. We were goober heads. We would walk up to each other and we were pretending like we were all tough. And we'd be like, you better recognize, fool. You know. It's the best I can do. I'm sorry. I know I'm failing miserably. I was better at it then. And uh, some of you be like, well, what are you talking about? Y'all better recognize. Well, let me help you out today. Uh, er, according to the Urban Dictionary, y'all better recognize is an urban hip rendering of you had better recognize. <laughs> it's what you say when you want someone to say it with me now. Acknowledge your authority. Now, I know some of you didn't get this yet, so I borrowed the examples from Urban Dictionary, which says this. I love this. Here's a great example. Four years ago, I was nobody, but now I'm the cream of the crop in the rap game. <laughs> Say it with me now. You better recognize. Maybe you had this experience. Son, don't talk to me like that. I'm your mama. <laughs> you better recognize. So we would go around and we would pretend like we were all tough. And we, you better recognize like we had some kind of authority or something. And I remember that came to a quick screeching halt one day. So we went to this track meet and, you know, for, true to form, I borrowed my mom's sweatpants because I needed sweatpants, not black jeans. But she has some nice big baggy sweatpants. And so we went to this track meet, which just happened to be in Dayton. And if you're from Dayton, um, you know, gangsters may frequent that place occasionally. And so we go to this track meet, and I'm wearing my sweatpants like my heroes. You remember this back in the day? I don't know if we still do this now. But you wear one pant leg up and the other one down. And you got a little, you know, you got to have the walk with it. So I'm walking into this track meet, into the hood, which, you know, Probably not a good idea. I walk in, and other people thought it wasn't a good idea, too, especially from the opposing team. 
because there were some people there that didn't take a liking to my attire. You know, I was a wannabe, and they basically said, if you want to be alive, you'll change it. And so I remember uh, some friends came up to me and said, hey, we were on the other side of the track, and people were talking to us. They were pointing at you. And um, the gist of the conversation was, you better recognize. And I knew in that moment that I did not have the authority to be wearing my pants the way I was wearing them. See, in my reality, it was all about the movies. It was all about the music. And what I didn't realize was I had stepped into somebody else's territory and essentially what was going on in their life. This was an everyday experience for them. See, what I thought was fantasy and fun and myth was really an everyday experience. They woke up every day and the struggle was real for them. And they had the authority. They had to participate in gangs. They had to be part of something else because they didn't have people in their lives to support them. And I never thought, I'm just telling you right now, I never knew and I never thought, and they had grace on me. They knew I was a farm town kid from little Ohio, so they, they didn't beat me up. Thank God for that. I'm still alive. But I remember, I remember never anticipating that this little mythical world that I lived in, this little fantasy, fun, gangster world I lived in would actually collide with someone's truth with someone's reality with someone's average everyday life and I think that is the tension if we're just honest that is the tension with that we wrestle with on Easter like I get it some of you are here because your spouse because your mom said if you don't go to church with me you will not get an Easter egg hunt come on you know Easter egg hunts are fun when you're adults you put a hundred dollar bill I'm just kidding but you're here not because you want to be, but because you have to be. And I'm just, I'm just guessing maybe at some point while we're talking about this whole crazy thing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're going to say, I can't believe it and I don't buy it. Y'all with me on this? Come on, you, you've got questions. You have, you're not really sure about all this. So you may have questions and you're probably thinking, I can't believe it. I can't buy it. And the reason why we don't buy it is that we have heard things, we have watched things, we have listened to people in the church talk about the amazing events of Jesus' life. And so we would anticipate, we would anticipate that God would show up in this big way because the myth about him is huge. And when he doesn't, we struggle to believe. In fact, when it comes to the resurrection, we have no recognition or understanding of how that truly changes our lives. Because for most of us, we pray these big prayers and God doesn't show up. We pray these big prayers because God's awesome and big and God doesn't show up. And so today I want to look at a story that happened on the day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. If you don't know the Jesus story, it's pretty crazy. This guy was born of a virgin. If that's not crazy, I don't know what is. Go explain that one to your mom. Uh, but born of a virgin, he then started this ministry for three years where he went around and he talked about the kingdom of God. And essentially what he was doing was he was addressing society. He was addressing politics. He was addressing everything in that day and he flipped it upside down. And when you introduce a kingdom to the kingdom of Rome, they don't take a liking to that. In fact, they ended up crucifying him on a cross, which he was dead for three days. And then, as we say, he resurrected from the dead. And so the writer of today's story is writing about this day, the day Jesus was resurrected. But you and I can connect with Luke so well. Luke, the writer of this story, because he's an outsider. 
He isn't somebody who was a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus. He wasn't there when all of this happened. Luke goes out and he quits his practice as a doctor and he begins to sit down, conversation after conversation, table after table, where he begins to talk with people and investigate whether what happened in Jesus' life was true. And people who were there and people who witnessed what happened and people who watched it with their own eyes began to share these stories with Luke. And he gets to a point in his life where he hears it so many times that he finally recognizes the power of Jesus. And it's not just a myth, and it's not just in these big fantasy grand ideas, but it's in places that we would never expect. And so that's why Luke writes this story today. And so he cues us in, and here's what he says. I love it. He says, the same day, the two of them are walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them. Now, hang on one second here. This is important. Get this. Two guys walking, talking about Jesus. Jesus walks next to them and asks them this question, what are y'all talking about? What are you discussing? And so they begin to describe it to him. Hey, there was this guy, he was a prophet, he was crucified, terrible story, we had hopes, he died, he's not alive, that's where we are. And Luke says, Luke says it's so important, he writes this important statement right after this conversation. Keep going here. He says, but they were not able to recognize who he was. They couldn't recognize who Jesus was. Do you ever think that it's hard to recognize when something is out of context? Let me give you a perfect example. If, I, if you took me down the streets of LA, I would probably walk by 100 celebrities and not identify one of them. But if you put them on TV, I'd know who they were. This happened the other day. I was going to the grocery store. I go to Aldi, and I hate the fact that they make you have a quarter because my kids think that it's free change sitting in the cup, and they always take the quarter, so I never have a quarter. And I'm the lowlife that walks in and grabs the cart next to the cashier and then walks out. You know, anyway, I'm walking in, and this lady is looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and it's the weird exchange of I don't want to be a creeper, so I caught your eye, but I'm looking down. She caught my eye. She's looking down, and I think, her face looks familiar. I know this lady. No, I don't know this lady. Do I know this lady? So she looks up again, and I look up again, and I didn't recognize her, but then it took me a while. I'm like, that is my son's teacher. <laughs> Whoops. Too late to say hi. You know, we were already moving, getting the cart, but... But I'm so used to seeing her in the classroom that I didn't recognize her out at Aldi. Janelle used to get this all the time when she was a teacher. She'd walk out and she'd see her students. They just stare at her. <gasps> you have a real life outside of teaching. The other day I was at the gym working out and this guy, you know, we were chatting. He's pretty funny. He's, what do you do? I'm a pastor. He's like, you're a pastor. Like the only place that I stand seven days a week is right here. Like I don't have a life outside of this. And it's really just, but you know, it's like when it comes to recognition, it's hard to understand. It's hard to recognize people out of context. And I think this is the struggle for the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Is that contextually, Jesus is at the center stage, right? 
He's this big guy who was doing miracles. He was healing people. He was spreading food all over to 5,000 people with like two fish and five lo- I mean, it was crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Outlandish stories. We would never expect that Jesus would show up. I mean, this is the guy who did miracles. We would never expect, we would never recognize Jesus to show up in a conversation down a hopeless, average, boring road. That's why they couldn't see him. So Luke continues the story. I love it. And he wants us to get this. He says, they came to the edge of the village where they were headed, and he acted as if he were going to continue forward. And so they pressed him. They said, stay and have supper, supper with us this evening. The day is done. You know the road is dangerous. We don't want you to go ahead. So he went in with them, and here is what happened. I love how Luke says that. And here is what happened. In other words, this is a fact. Jack, take it to the bank. He sat down with them at where? The table. He sat at the table with them and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he broke it and they began to eat it. And it was in that moment, check it out now, they recognized him. It was in that moment. You see, nobody anticipates meeting Jesus at the table. The table is this everyday average thing that we gather around, some of us gather around for dinner to talk about everything that happened throughout the day. Nothing exciting, nothing boring. It's just kind of what happened. We gather around the table day after day after day after day. Nobody expects Jesus to show up at this place. See, when it comes to our lives, we want Jesus, we think Jesus shows up in the miracle. Jesus always shows up in the miracle. Listen, if I follow Jesus, he's going to take care of my finances. He's going to heal my sickness. He's going to give me the house I want. He's going to get rid of this crappy job that I work in every day. Like, that's what will happen when I follow Jesus. And we're always looking for a miracle, but we miss Jesus in the moment. The moment. The moment where you're standing in the grocery line patiently, waiting for the person who is writing a check in front of you. Stop writing checks, please. (laughs) Jesus is in the moment where you are making a meal for your family. He is in the moment where you are taking your kids to school. He's in the moment where you go to the job that you can't stand and the boss you don't like and the people that you don't like working with. He's in the moment where you show up at school and you're with a bunch of kids that you don't want to be with. Moment after moment after moment after moment, Jesus shows up in the average, everyday table moments of our lives. And this is the point of the resurrection. That resurrection is the recognition of God's authority to show up in the moment-to-moment-to-moment parts of your life. The things that we think are average, the things that we think are boring to him, the things that we think he he doesn't think are worthy of his time, he's there. He's walking with you. 
And I love it. Because watch what happens when we meet Jesus at the table. Luke continues the story. Here's what he says. He says, they didn't waste a minute. They were up and they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Continues, he found the 11. Their friends were gathered together and they were talking away. They were talking away. It's really happened, he said. The master has been raised. Simon saw him. And he continues. And the two went over and everything that happened on the road and everything that they saw, eating with Jesus at the table, they recognized him when he broke bread. I love this idea that they're on their way back. My, my kids, I love it. Um, I love public schools. I'll just be honest. I love public schools because my kids get an education that I'm not ready to give them personally. <laughs> so you know I'm not talking about the classroom. But one of my, my sons came home one day and he was uh, using a word that um, I didn't know he knew. And so I said, son, do you know what that word means? He said, no. And I said, where did you hear it? He said, from you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He didn't say that at all. He said, uh, he said my, friend, my friend said it on the bus. And I said, well, do you know what that means? No. So I looked at Janelle and I said, I, th I think we probably should have a conversation because it's apparent that our kids are having conversations that we didn't know they were having and we aren't ready for them to have. And so I remember uh, we said, we're going to talk about these bad words tonight at the table. And so we make dinner, we sit down, and of course, you know, getting kids to sit down at the table is like near impossible. And so I begin talking, and Miles gets up, and he grabs a cup of water, and he's filling his cup up. And I said, boys, do, do you know what cuss words are? And Miles, who's got his back turned to us, is filling up his cup of water without missing a beat, says, you mean the word? <laughs> and he dropped the F-bomb. Now, this is my little six-year-old. Yeah, that word. And so uh, I said, well, let's just, let's just get it out. What are all the words that you know? And they just enlightened me on every single four-letter word that they knew. And there were phrases that came out. And I said, my goodness. And so we talked with our boys. I said, hey, listen, you know, uh, and you may disagree with me on this here. That's another, another day, another time. I said, listen, those words and people who use them aren't inherently bad. They're not. But they're not appropriate for people your age. In fact, the reason we don't think they're appropriate is because we think that God has created you in a beautiful way and he's given you an amazing brain to express yourself in a way that's more eloquent and more intelligent than that. Like we just think that, that there are awesome ways that you can say what you need to say without saying that. And so we, we, we talk with our kids and, and, and we invest in them and we reinsert them. I think there's this tendency as parents as we want to protect them, we want to pull them out, and we want to extract them from all the bad things that they're going to experience. We don't put them in a little bubble because only Jesus works in bubbles, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Jesus was bubble wrapped his whole ministry. But we want to protect them. We want to make sure they never hear or see bad things. And we've just learned with public schools, what I love is that our kids come home and they say, such and so, so and so did this to me. Or they'll just confess, I said this to so-and-so, and we get to sit down at the table with our kids, and we just say, hey, what does it look like for God to show up here? 
And so we invest in them. We talk with them. We invest in them. We talk with them. And when we reinsert them back into their daily lives, and it's like over and over and over again, we send them out to be more like God, they come back looking less like God. We continue to have conversations to make them look more like God, they come back saying things less like God. And it's this everyday conversation over and over and over. And they go back the way they came. And we've been talking with our boys about heaven. Hey, it's not out there. It's rather something that you experience. When somebody's sad and you, you make a picture for them. When, when somebody is, when you hurt somebody and, and you ask for forgiveness, this is heaven. This is where God is. He's in these moments. And I say all that to say that, interesting in the story, they go back the way they came. See, when we meet Jesus, we would expect that Jesus would pull us out. Come on, y'all been told this. You've, you've met these pastors who will tell you, listen, 3995, send it to 1009 South Briggs Street, and God will bless your life. You can have a Cadillac Escalade. You can work an amazing job. You can get another wife. Just send me 3995. You've heard this. This doesn't preach so well. When you meet Jesus at the table, when he sits down with you at your everyday, average part of your life kind of life, he asks you to go back to the crappy job that you hate working. He asks you to go back to the boss that is totally mean to you. He asks you to go back to the spouse that you know your marriage is wrecked, the relationship is terrible, you wonder if there's any hope, he says, go back to that as well. That's right, go back to your kids. You're, you're gonna get out of here, you're gonna hop in a van, and your kids, four kids are gonna be throwing eggs and be doped up on sugar, and you're like, oh my goodness, could I just get some new kids? No, go back to your kids. Go back the way you came. And the reason why Jesus tells us to do this after we meet him is we have to go back into the messes. We have to go back into the darkness. We have to go back to the places that were filled with hopelessness in order for people to see what could be new. God pulling you out of whatever you're facing is not a way for people to see hope. They can only see it when you step up. So the question I wanna ask you today is, Will you recognize him? In fact, I'll just say, you better recognize. Because Jesus has the authority to change, not the miracle moments, but every moment of your life, day after day after day after day. You just have to meet him at the table. And this is the kind of community that we want to be. Not that we will promise you some crazy outlandish things, but we continue. You'll come in here and we'll grow together and we'll invest in you. And then we're going to reinsert you back into your community where you came from. In order to speak into the lives that need help, who need love, and who need Jesus. So I would invite you, hey, listen, I know that some of you are like, man, I'm just here because I have to be. I get that. But there are some of you here who I would just say to you, God is walking with you. Quit looking for the miracle and just recognize him in the moment, the little moments of your life, and those things will change drastically. So let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you for the resurrection 
of your son. I pray for those who today who may have questions, who really have doubts, who may not believe. And I would just say, Lord, I pray that you would meet them at the table. That you would show up in the places they would least expect, the average everyday moments of their lives. I pray that they would step in to the old life in a new way. And that people would see how you can change us. We thank you that death has no hold on us and that ultimately we have eternal life with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.